Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Canby Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good things. I'm joined in the house today by Cocaine Bear himself, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. <laughs> over there, he, she, Magoo, Ray, Aura. That's a, blame that on Taylor. That's a Taylor thing. Sitting over there, we got Jonathan Boyko running the show, and of course, Taylor Gonzalez. And most Game importantly... <laughs> You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. First half of the show, we're going to take predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. When we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That'll be time for you to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. We'll address those in the second half of the show. All right, guys, with that all down, we got a lot of stuff to cover here today. So uh, let us jump right into it, shall we? And we're going to start with this. You know, the other day, I had, didn't have a chance to see it because it just kind of popped out just before we started the show yesterday. I didn't have a chance to watch it. <laughs> the trailer for the new <laughs> Will Farrell and is that Will Forte as well? I can't. I, was that yeah? And Will Forte and Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox comedy strays. All right. On its surface, it looks like another stupid wayward home long dog trail through the wilderness get me home kind of movie and it started and once the first swear word dropped i thought oh, okay there it's it's going to be a raunchy dog comedy okay okay i was sold by the time this trailer ended i this trailer completely won me over <laughs> it is ridiculously hilarious Again, I, I mean, if, if you're hearing that, okay, a raunchy dog, live action, animal comedy, okay, that sounds, I was with you. I was totally with you. The first 10 seconds of this trailer, I was checked out. By the end of the trailer, I'm like, I cannot wait to watch this movie. This looked absolutely hilarious. Now, of course, I'm a dog guy, because in the words of Ron Swanson, well, I'm not going to quote that because I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm a dog guy. And therefore, I mean, this... This was just so funny to me. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to check out the trailer. What did you think? My human hands. Oh my um, god! I have to say that was so funny. Uh, yeah, I, it it uh, as as you know, I, I I've become a dog person. We have three dogs at home ourselves. Soon to have probably eight more. Uh, but um, I, I I I thought this was hilarious, dude. I mean, even the urban. The, the the graffiti way that or whatever strays is spelled on the poster you see that on the walls uh of our city i i mean this this it looks jamie fox is hilarious in this trailer and, and by the way the way they put the r rating right on the dog tag uh, it's i mean <laughs> I, it's That's just, something i would do <laughs> i can't wait to see this movie I, I there were gags in this that made me laugh out loud and ray and, you're not kidding that, that poster looks like a thumbnail you would yeah. make yeah you know, it's my only enough. problem with this uh, movie is that where's where's all the wiener dog love? Yeah, where's the I, dachshunds? Yeah, come on, come man. On. They, they never get anything, but they did pick the popular dogs. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Isla? Isla? Isla Fisher. Fisher. She's in it, too. I guess she's the lady dog in there. Oh, I didn't see them mention her name in it. Is, is she the big one, too? I don't I know. Oh, I no, forgot. no. I think she was probably... That's I Will don't Forte. think she's the I big one. I, Will I mean, Forte I could be wrong. One. She might be, but um, I... Man, this was funny. Yeah, it was. This was funny. So, like, it's, it's Lord uh, and Miller too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait a no. Lord yeah, and Lord Miller is the production company under. 
Oh my God, that's so funny. Because we're going to be talking about a couple of Lord Miller things here today. But I, I came into the studio today and like the guy's like, have you seen the Strays trailer? Oh, no, I forgot to watch the Strays trailer. So Ray popped it up on his uh, giant monitor over there. And I just, <laughs> my God, this thing's funny. Anyway, guys, questions for you. Did you have a chance to see the Strays trailer? If so, what did you think? Hey, listen, maybe you thought, like I initially thought, that uh, a raunchy family movie. Uh, we've seen it before. I get that. Maybe you're like me where it won you over and you just laughed your ass off. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's do another off the talk here. Staying in the vein of Lord and Miller. You know, when the advertisements and some of the marketing started for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the highly anticipated sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I think might be the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made, right up there with Spider-Man 2. It's a phenomenal film. I thought the best comic book movie of 2018, and that was the year that Infinity War and Black Panther came out. That's how good I think it is. But one of the characters in that movie was Spider-Man Noir. That in the movie was voiced by Nick Cage. And in some of the promos that have come out for Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse, a lot of people notice that, hey, I don't see any Spider-Man Noir. Now, we haven't heard that he's actually going to be in it, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. But a lot of people are wondering why he's not there. Well, we might find out and know now because according to reports in Variety, they are now reporting that Spider-Man Noir... The live action, live action Spider-Man Noir series is in the works at Sony. And apparently it's being executive produced by Lord Miller that are going to be on board with that. Now, this is very interesting because a story that we were going to talk about yesterday, but we dropped at the last second because we just had too many stories to cover was, you know, uh, Amazon just said yesterday that their Silk series that's coming their live action silk series which is again is in that spider universe is a big huge priority to them they amazon quoted now it looks like they're staying very serious in this game with sony with these live action series and they're doing spider-man noir now according to the report the spider-man noir series will take place in the 1930s and spider-man noir will not be peter parker he'll be another character i don't know if this is a direct translation of the Nick Cage character that was in the uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie, or it's going to be a based on that character sort of thing. But listen, sign me up. Mm -hmm. Like a a gumshoe detective kind of style, 1930s Spider-Man movie. I love the noir character. I thought it was great. So I think this sounds fantastic to me. Anyway, Rob, you heard about this. What do you think? Bring it on. I mean, you know, you talk about all the pulp heroes, like the Phantom and the Shadow and... I love those characters, and to do a Spider-Man series in that milieu, I want it. Bring it to me. I wonder, I don't know if Nicolas Cage is too old to play that part, but what a great role but for an actor. But we don't know anything about the part, I know. right? So maybe it is supposed to be like a a, a 60-year-old Could like, be. vet. Like, he was a grizzled vet cop, and now he's a private eye on this. I, I don't know, maybe they yeah, could. Yeah, I mean, and I love, you know, I love Depression-era stories, too. There's just something about that. I, and especially in New York, Depression era in New York is such an interesting time. And I would love to I, bring it on. You think uh, they'll take the looks of like a Sin City? But they I mean, put they like Spider Man in there. That's. Yeah. 1930, 1930s with a guy with Spider Man powers going around like uh, solving crimes is like. Or, or, or the awesome. beginning of Peter Jackson's King Kong was set in the 30s, you know, with that in New York with that kind of that look. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I really like Ray's idea. 
Yeah, I know that 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 whole note taking that Why, CD style. And I mean, well, because nineteen thirties. I mean, all we've ever gotten was those sort of like black and white sort of like stylized movies. So I was just thinking maybe maybe they could switch off between like a Spider Verse. Or sort of will effect. they do what they did in Into the Spider Verse, where everything is in color except noir? It could mm. be noir. No, just noir is only in black and white. I mean, that would be kind of fun if they did that too. <laughs> but I mean, the lead here, I think, is that Lord Miller involved. Right. I mean, I think that's what's going to give uh, this thing a lot of push. And listen, Amazon is clearly taking their partnership with Sony and doing live action television stuff very seriously. And let's see how this turns out. Guys, what do you think? I'm actually quite intrigued by this project. I love the idea. I, I doubt it'll be Nick Cage, but if they announced it was Nick Cage, I'd be pretty happy <laughs> about that. What do you think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right. With that down, guys, let's get into another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. Speaking of things that are highly anticipated, the upcoming video game, we talked about this the other day, Hogwarts Legacy, is coming out tomorrow, I believe. I think it's the official launch. I mean, a bunch of users have gotten early advanced copies of it, all that kind of stuff. But I think tomorrow is the official launch of it. It's the 10th. So, yeah, that's tomorrow. So... Everybody's been buzzing about it. We, we talked about this the other day, about the the popularity of the Wizarding World is still strong. We talked yesterday about the fact that, like, in Japan right now, eight of the top ten movies on streaming in Japan right now are all Harry Potter films, which is kind of crazy. And if you're wondering, you know, is the Wizarding World still popular? Apparently it is. Because according to reports that are going around, uh, Hogwarts Legacy which some gamers have been able to stream live on Twitch already, has just broken the record, the the all-time record for most concurrent viewers ever watching a game. Mm. To put that into perspective, let's go over to the classroom for a minute here. In perspective, here's where the record holders were. Resident Evil, I believe, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, the number 10 spot, Resident Evil 2 was concurrently viewed by 314,000 people. The Quarry was 355, 12 minutes was 363. Pokemon Legends Arceus, I'm thinking, 478. God of War Ragnarok got 478,000 concurrent viewers in its live stream. The Last of Us Part Two at half a million. Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil Village is 655. Elden Ring, big jump up, got 910,000 concurrent viewers in its initial streaming. Cyberpunk 2077 was the record holder. At 1.14 million, at that was shattered now. Shattered by 130,000. Wow. As Hogwarts Legacy has set the new record at 1.27 million concurrent viewers. There's a lot of fascination, a lot of interest in this game. Uh, actually, my wife Ann was up last night watching just playthroughs. I told her not to watch anything because we're going to play it. Well, I, she couldn't help herself, I guess. Uh. I came out of the room and she was in there watching the stuff. I, look, I, I haven't watched a lot of this stuff, but in watching about five minutes of what Anne had on, my God, it's gorgeous. Hmm. Like, I, I'm not a, a huge Potterhead, as most of you guys know, but like Anne is. And like, she was almost in tears, like walking around the castle and around the 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 grounds and all that kind of stuff like it looked absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and again just speaking to the fact that i'm sure rob you brought this up the other day wondering if david zaslav is going to be paying really close attention to the type of interest in this because i think this is speaking a lot of a lot in high volume 
that there is still a lot of hunger for this wizarding world of Harry Potter that's been oh. around now for a couple of decades. And now look, concurrent viewing numbers and people being interested in how it looks are different than sales numbers. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll see in a week or so what kind of sales numbers it puts together, but it looks like this thing's as popular as ever. Rob, you, you hear about this. Does this surprise you? What are your thoughts? No, I mean, you know, I'm always talking about how the entertainment of today is different than it was, say, when I was growing up. You know, when I was in high school, movies were the thing. But video games now are, people are as excited, if not more excited, because the thing about video games that's changed is that as a player, you're the center of the narrative. And I think that that, that is a fundamental change for when I was a kid, when I was watching passive entertainment. Now, video games were fun to play when I was a kid, but they weren't as sophisticated as they are now. And we're seeing the success of games like Last of Us, and I'm sure Hogwarts Legacy, like you said, it's gorgeous to look at. It's it's an event. It's an event for a generation of people that grew up with the Harry Potter franchise. Obviously, we're showing that it hasn't waned, you know, certainly around the world. And to see a game like this, the real question, John, is when I was a kid growing up, people would make spin-off games, and they would always suck. You know, you'd buy. <laughs> I, I remember getting like, what was it, Bounty Hunter for PlayStation Two, and I was all excited about it. I'm like. This game's lame. Um, and 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 now we've got these tie-in games that are so good. And there's so much time put into them. So I'm excited that that this looks like I love open sandbox games and I I this looks like it's a lot of gonna be a lot of fun to play. I definitely want to delve into it. I'm curious to see what kind of combat there is and magical. I mean, what's what's it like to play Quidditch? I wanna know. You don't get also, to play Quidditch in it. What? Nope. You don't get to play Quidditch. That's, That's the it. one thing I saw. You, they have a Quidditch ground. Yeah, yeah and you can fly around the Quidditch grounds, but you can't actually. The, you play know Quidditch they're going to have some download. Yeah, some DLC. Yeah, later on. DLC's coming in about six months. I'm glad you brought up the sales thing, the aspect of it, because like, for me, if I watch any unboxings, any playthroughs, it's to keep me from spending that money to get uh. like to no no to get that itch off of me because sometimes I'm very. Careful with what I spend my money on, especially because games are seventy dollars now, and yeah. that's not even the full game. Sometimes, yeah. except just yeah. look over like, Ray's shoulder. Yeah, so he's real careful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, look, look. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did find a quote from CNN. It says that gaming experts anticipate this to be a blockbuster release, easily selling ten million copies, according to some estimates. What? That's nuts. Ten and and at fifty bucks a pop? No, it'll be more than 70. that. Seventy, okay, it's seventy bucks more a like pop. Seventy now. They've made the jump from the sixty to seventies. Yep. Yeah, it's it's gonna make a lot of money. That's uh, that's I, I, and they say it costs about a hundred and fifty million to make this game. Ooh. Yeah, I mean that they're, it, that's it, it's blockbuster film costs, <laughs> and they're talking making seven hundred million sales. <laughs> I mean that's that's the business to get into. Of course, it takes how many years of development? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I, I I I think we mentioned this in the show before, but on Monday, a little bit later today. Uh, we, by the way, for those of you who tried to watch me play uh, badly, play. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? Um, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> in we, we a breath the of the wild. Down. Uh, we had we had computer issues, but we think we fixed them. Uh, it wasn't internet issue; it was computer. But we fixed them. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more of that today. But on Monday, mm. on Monday, we're going to be doing play and chat, playing Hogwarts Legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that should be a, that should be a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Hogwarts Legacy cracks the all-time Twitch concurrent viewership record by a lot, as a matter of fact. Do you think that's going to translate into sales? What do you think that says, if anything, about the popularity of the Wizarding World right now? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, 
Let's go into another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, one of the biggest pieces, I mean, listen, last couple of months, we've had some huge, huge pieces of movie news. One of the bigger ones was the return of the king, baby. Big Papa Iger coming back to fix what has become a dumpster fire of a Disney company. Uh, but Big Papa Iger's come back and try to right that ship, get things back on course, make <laughs> things right again. Well, Bob Iger came back. Now, there's a number of things we're going to be talking about that today that revolve around the Investor Day's call that and all the information that Bob Iger dropped. Uh, and we're going to talk about them in certain pieces. But one of the pieces that I think is really one of the more interesting ones is the fact that Bob Iger addressed Hulu. There's been there a lot of speculation lately about what is Disney going to do about Hulu? There's been some talk lately that Disney might be in the selling Hulu business. They might be what one of the popular trains of thought was that Comcast still owns, I think, one third of Hulu. And the general thought that a lot of people had was that, well, he may sell it or they're going to acquire the remaining sh sh uh, shares of Hulu away from Comcast and be the sole owner of Hulu, all that kind of stuff. Well, in that call that he had yesterday, Bob Iger said that, yeah, he's open to selling Hulu. Uh, in Deadline, it writes this, asked on CNBC about his plans for Hulu as a 2024 deadline to buy it or sell it off approaches, because they're in the deal with Comcast, there is one of them's got to buy out the other come 2024. The co And I think the first right to buy is Disney's. After that, it's Comcast. So, so Disney gets the first call, but something's got to happen. So asked by CNBC about his plans for Hulu as a 2024 deadline to buy to buy it in or sell it off approaches, he said, everything is on the table right now. So I'm not going to speculate about whether we are a buyer or a seller of it, but I obviously have suggested that I'm concerned about undifferentiated general entertainment, particularly in the competitive landscape that we are operating in, and we are going to look at it very objectively and expansively. When pressed by host David Faber on whether he'd be interested if Comcast CEO Brian Roberts inquired about buying the Disney stake, Iger said, we'd be open-minded. So this brings up a couple of interesting angles on this. Because on the one hand, you might think, well, why on earth would they not want to have Hulu? I've said myself on the show, like Hulu presents them a really perfect opportunity to have Disney Plus and have Disney Plus be not kid-centric, but family-friendly. You can have some, some harder stuff on there, sure, but generally family-friendly. And you can keep Disney Plus that, where, as a company, you can still delve into the harder, more adult stuff by having it on Hulu. And you can do that. The other train of thought here, and I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. The other train of thought here is this. Disney has just recently greenlit and signed extensions to several Fox-produced series that are, of course, signed to Hulu. Well, that is an internal deal because Disney owns Hulu. But if you're Bob Iger and you sign long-term extension deals between these Fox-produced shows and Hulu, and then you sell Hulu off to Comcast, well, guess what goes over with them? Those legal deals. And now all of a sudden Comcast owns Hulu, but they're paying huge money in licensing fees for these long-term deals of these Fox shows that they produce. So now all of a sudden Hulu becomes a cash generating entity that they don't own, which is quite intriguing actually when you look at it that way. Look, at the end of the day, 
What I think is going to happen here, I think they're going to hold on to Hulu. I, I still, at the end of the day, think they do. I just think the ability, because, you know, Bob Iger, that, that family-friendly, not family-focused, but family-friendly um, identity of Disney+, Plus. To Bob Iger has always seemed sacrosanct. You know, it has always seemed like it's an absolute to him. Having Hulu in the stable gives you the opportunity to have the best of both worlds. Now, again, I just laid out why there could be a very valid argument for selling it off, not just not to mention the money that would come from selling it off because they're valuing Hulu. Ray, you want to take a guess what they're valuing Hulu at right now? No, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. Probably what? Uh, one billion. <laughs> All right, you're you're in the you're in the you're in the billions, twenty seven and a half billion. No, you were close. Just Hulu. <laughs> They're valuing Hulu right now at twenty seven and a half billion dollars. That seems a little steep to me. But listen, they've they've slowly been adding to their subscriber numbers. Like they actually have a pretty impressive subscriber number base. Take it to the Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for uh, $30 billion for 5% ownership of our product, Hulu. Oh, my God. Um, no one can get in that deal. Um, could happen. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, so I could see it going either way. Uh, my impression, my guess is that they'll end up keeping it. Anyway, Rob, uh, listen, you and I have talked about the situation Disney finds itself in with Hulu. What What do you think they ultimately do with it here? Well, I think what you 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 posited an intriguing situation, you know, making these shows. And I know, look at 20th Century Studios; uh, they were making the, the Prey came out, you know, for Hulu. And there's there's wasn't the Hellraiser movie on Hulu? Yep. yep. I mean, they're doing all kinds of really interesting things with Hulu, and as an entity, I think it's become quite attractive. So maybe Comcast would like to add it to their portfolio. I could see that happening, and then. Disney would actually make twenty-seven billion plus their licensing fees. I well, mean, two thirds of that. I yeah, guess. Comcast I, already owns. Yeah, something. I mean, whatever it's going to be, but still, <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad proposition where Disney's at right now. Does it fit into their their designs? I I don't really know. I I, I don't see John. I, I'd be more curious to hear what Disney's plans are moving forward. Like they just made a deal with Mill Creek to put yes. out on physical media. All these movies like Down and Out and Beverly Hills that they all the movies that Touchstone made and Hollywood Pictures made that like they do what don't want to admit that they exist, you know, or are they going to cover Daryl Daryl Hannah's butt like they did on Splash? <laughs> they I better. Mean, they better. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird like I don't understand that they they have this legacy and it's almost like if it's not family friendly, if it's not Disney core branded, they somehow don't know what to do with it, and I, I think it's kind of odd. But I you know that's above my pay grade. I, listen, I'll tell you what. I love Hulu. I I, I, am I love it a lot too. of the shows they have. I love the service they have. I mean, I think I'm going to be a big Hulu fan, whether Disney owns it or Comcast, because I was a big fan of it before Disney became a, a majority share owner of it too. But it's going to be interesting to see what approach they decide to take with that. Anyway, guys, question is for you: What do you think about this? Bob Iger is kind of bucking what the common thought was out there that they were just going to acquire the balance of Hulu, but now Bob Iger saying. Hey, we're open to selling it. What do you guys think? How do you think this is going to shake out? Are you somebody who watches Hulu a lot? Do you subscribe to it? I know I do. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into another off the top here, shall we? Going into another trailer, and that one is this. I will confess, 
that while I am a big Ben Affleck fan and a big Matt Damon fan and a sucker for true story stuff, something about air and the sound of it, uh, it just never really buzzed my curiosity all that much. And not to mention coming off, what's the one they just did, The Last Duel? I didn't love The Last Duel. That, of course, you had uh, Affleck and Damon. And I know, I know other people. And they wrote it. And they wrote along it. Along with Nicole Hulse. And it Hulson. certainly had had its upsides. It absolutely had its upsides. And I know there are some people who absolutely love the film. And that, that's, I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I wasn't super, I would, I would say I wasn't hyped for Air. Well, the trailer for Air has just dropped. It is now out there. The story about the origins of the most famous shoe in the world, Air Jordans. And before the show started, Ray gave the most perfect analogy. It looked like the big short. This trailer looks like the big short. Instead of, in, instead of talking about the, the housing market crisis, it's talking about the origins of a shoe. You got uh, Olivia Davis in there. Uh, I mean, Viola. Vi Viola Davis. You have Viola Davis in there. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. As Michael Jordan's mom. As Michael Jordan's mother. I And you know what? I love that they don't have Michael Jordan in the trailer. Good. I love that they I don't... I think you see him from the back. Do you for like a second? Like he's walking toward his house. But I love that I don't yeah. think that Michael Jordan's going to be a central character. I mean, obviously, everything is about Michael Jordan right. in this movie. But it's being told from the perspectives of all the people around who made it happen. That the most famous shoe in the world uh, came into being. I'll tell you what, this trailer is fantastic. I, I actually put up on social media today when I saw it, I said, I think I need to re reorganize my top 10 most anticipated movies of the year list because I think this has nudged its way into my top 10 most anticipated movies. Yeah, I think it looks that good. I'm, You know, it also reminded me a little bit about, Matt Damon reminds me in this trailer a little bit about his character in Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. There, there's, there's a bunch of similarities in there for that, but you know, I, I loved what I saw. Rob, you had a chance to check out the trailer. What did you think? Dude, well, first of all, I've probably seen The Big Short 50 times. I love The Big Short, and I think that was a good analogy. But I, you know, I love in the tr the way this trailer is set up because they're talking about, like, I I didn't know that they found uh, Michael Jordan as a rookie. You know, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that was part of the, the, the story. And what a leap Matt Damon's character took. And what a cast, too. I mean, Jason Bateman... I love Jason Bateman and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon working together, and and uh, Chris Tucker in a mm -hmm. small. Oh role. yeah, the return. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Phil Knight is Ben Affleck playing Phil Knight. I, I I love this trailer, and when it finally gets the when he says Michael Jordan, I, I'm like, okay. They released this trailer before Super Bowl Saturday. I think any sports fan, anybody, anybody who's interested in the last what 25, 30 years of Air Jordans. Actually, it's 84, so for 35 years of Air Jordans or whatever. I. I think this movie, I didn't have much interest in it. I'm like, how interesting could it be? I'm like, I'm so in. I saw this trailer. I'm like, oh, I'm 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 with Ben Affleck's character. I mean, um, uh, Matt Damon's character. I want him to triumph. He does, apparently. We all know this, what happened after. What a great story. I mean, what a great story of an underdog putting everything out there and going, I'm betting on a rookie that's never been on an N NBA court. How, how, how great was that line? A rookie, yes. Someone who's never set foot on an NBA court. That is the definition of a rookie. Yes. I thought that was, that was great, right? Like one of the most important aspects of the story is the character that, uh, or like Michael Jordan's parents, they actually convinced them to go take a meeting with Nike. 
He wanted to sign with Adidas. Yeah. He was set. He he even went back to Adidas when Nike made that deal and asked them to match them. Wait, but spoiler they didn't. alert, dude. No, no, no I'm just Are saying. You the end the, of the movie? Well, it was this in the is, last this dance. Is, this is real. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So Viola D Davis and whoever plays his dad is going to be a vital part of this movie. They're going to yeah. have a very big part of this movie. Um, just something that's been big for the past 20 years. Like the biggest shoe, like I, I think ever. Ever right? Oh, it, it, easy, easy. Name a shoe that's been that's more famous than the Air Jordan, and in pop culture None. too. None. So any any movie about how something was like that was made, I'm interested in. I'm with you too. You know, John, I love entrepreneur movies like Tucker. Yeah. You know, movies like this is that this is an entrepreneur movie, and I because I love the story of what made somebody believe. There's an inherent positive, unless it's a you know crash and burn entrepreneur story, but but this is a this is a this is a a. a, a can do American spirit triumphing in the end story, which I love, uh, and it's, and everybody wins. Adidas didn't. Anyway, guys, <laughs> question is for you: What did you think about the trailer for Air? I I'll tell you what it. Well, what do we always say about trailers, man? The job of a trailer is to take your interest level, no matter how high or how low it is, and bump it up. This trailer did it for me because I was yeah. not all that keen on the movie, and now I am dying to see it. Whatever you guys thought about it, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With all that down, it's time for us to move on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. You guys need a better phone service. Mint Mobile gives you incredible service for just 15 bucks a month. Go and check them out at mintmobile.com slash campia. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And uh, we got a good one today asking about The Last of Us. Hey, John, this is Dennis from Nashville. I had a question. With The Last of Us, do you think that they made this show for the hardcore gamers that have played the game or for the newcomers like me? I'm loving the show. But the only negative feedback that I hear is from people that have played the game. What do you think? All right, Dennis, thanks a lot for calling that in. Um, yeah, well, again, look, Last of Us, we've been talking about it now for almost a month. The Last of Us is nothing short of an absolute triumph. It, it is incredible television. It has captured the imagination of gamers, non-gamers, people who know the game, people who don't know the game, the whole bit. I mean, everybody's just around. And week after week, we are seeing double-digit growth numbers every single episode. This is what the model of a successful television show looks like. And it just seems to be getting, getting its momentum really going. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. And it raises a good question because we've talked a lot during the run of The Last of Us about what does this say about the need or lack thereof for producers of a video game adaptation to stay true to the source material? Because while on one hand, The Last of Us is one of the most true to the source material adaptations we've ever seen, but at the same time, this is also a show that's taken tremendous liberties with the source material and changed a lot of things, things that all have made it <gasps> better. The, the changes they have made have all been made that actually have made this a better story than what it was originally conceived of in the game. It takes the incredible, strong original, original story. As like Druckmann said in the post show once, he said, we figured if we can make it better, let's make it better. And we'll change the things that we need to change to make it. Episode three was like, they took a detail about the game, a true detail about the game, 
And then they expanded it into an entire episode, which ultimately became one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. Dennis isn't wrong, though. When he says that the only time we hear any, you know, uh, bashing or not even not even bashing, but like any a lot of negative talk or any de- negative talk around the show, it tends to come from the people who've played the game. And I think, number one, you're right. But also, number two, I don't think that should surprise us because we as people, not just gamers and not just people who play the Last of Us game specifically, but we as individuals and people, we have something. I saw one study done about this once a number of years ago that I reference every once in a while that we are plateauists in the sense that the person who did the study uses the term in the sense that whatever our first experiences with something that sets the bar for us, right? It's not a coincidence that 80 plus percent of people who see a movie before they read the book think the movie was better. And people who read the books before they see the movie, over 80% of those people think the book was better because our first experience becomes our template, right? So for people who play a game first, right, who first play the game, it's under it's human nature it's natural it's normal that that becomes the template and anything that deviates from that template is met by us and i say us because we've all done it is met by by us with initial resistance right that's fair to say because it's no longer exactly what i already love and therefore we have some initial resistance. So I think you're right. The only time I've heard any negative talk about Last of Us, and there hasn't been much, has generally been from people who really play the game a lot, know the game a lot. But I don't think that's unreasonable, and I don't think that's you know unusual, because I again, I think if you look at just about everything, that we as a species have shown a thing that once we have kind of a template in our head, anything that deviates from that template, even if it is better, we initially meet it with some resistance. So I agree. I think your observation is right, but I think it's a little bit understandable too. Rob, what do you think about that? Uh, this is interesting. I've never heard the term plateauist before, but I'm going to incorporate it into my worldview because I agree. I, I think something else that happens when you're a gamer and you're playing a game like this, the center of that game is you. It's yeah, happening. Good point. It's happening yep. to you. So when you're rummaging through cabinets to find supplies or whatever you're doing, all of this is your your experiencing it. I know you're only playing a video game, but man, when you play video games, any gamer knows that a great game is totally immersive. It becomes obsessive. You can't wait to sit down and play it again when you come home from work because you're, it's happening to you. And, and you're incorporating the emotional beats of it are because you made them happen. You know, and, and the cut scenes in this particular game, you as Joel, or if you're playing his daughter or Ellie, whatever, you're emotionally involved. So in a way, it's an experience that you're having. So immediately, anybody who's a hardcore gamer that has been played, play this game, that experience of you by watching this show has it been removed. Mm. You being the central protagonist and the prime mover behind the game is, is gone. So all you're left to do is go, that's not what happened to me. That's different than, and, and, and when you're not getting exact, which by the way, you can't because you're not, this is going to happen in any adaptation for a video game because you're not playing. And so I really think psychologically, that's what people are responding to. And when something doesn't happen exactly like, you know, the cordyceps 
mythology, the lore has been changed in this TV show. It's not I about think, spores anymore. Uh, you know, and I think it's for the better. And but what happened to the gas masks? You know, and I and why and I get it. I totally understand it. But what I would ask is that's where that's where a a an intelligent consumer of stories sits down and goes, okay, I'm looking at an adaptation. And and the joy of of great adaptations is to see how they've changed things. You know, and to see how they've wow, they've made the cordyceps uh threat better in this because what we saw in episode two when they disturbed that vine and the cordyceps came running react we, to it, yeah. we have three minutes i mean suddenly it's like oh my god because in a game it might take you a, a, an hour or more to finish a level but in the tv show you don't have that for narrative time so you have the they're coming in three minutes we ever get the f out of dodge or we're all dead and so you create that narrative thrust that's why this is such a great adaptation but i think dennis is very astute when he says that and i think that we should expect that gamers would be the ones that have the most criticism because it's not affecting them the way it did when they first played it. And they have to kind of sit on the sidelines in a way and watch. So they, they, they bump on everything that's not exactly the same as their own experience already. In asking the general question that he does, though, is like, is this show, The Last of Us, made for the gamers or is it made for those who are not gamers? The answer is yes. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's not a cop-out to the answer because what... I've said this before, I will say it again, and I think this is true when you're making adaptation of a book, of a comic book, of an old TV show, or of a video game. You want to be aware and be faithful to the spirit of what made and the elements that made the original story so good, but you cannot be beholden to it. And I just love what Drachman said, look, we're going to make this game as faithful as possible, however, being faithful to the game is not our number one guiding principle. Our number one guiding principle is to make the best show possible overall. And so if we come up with things that improve upon it, we're going to improve upon it. And I think that's the, the right approach. I, I completely agree. And it's like, it drives me crazy when people go, you know, uh, I don't like Bella Ramsey because she doesn't look like the character in the game. And oh, I'm I like, know. That, but, I will but, never but, understand but, but that. Here's, I, it, it goes back to the same thing because the way Joel and, and Ellie look in the game, they have been designed to look as pleasing as possible to gamers. And, like, if you're playing Joel, you're going to fall in love with this character and the way this person looks is the way she looks. But she's a virtual video game character. No human being looks like either one of them. They look very photorealistic, but they're not human. And so in the translation, it's got to be different a little bit. So they went and found, you know what they did for this game? They found the best young actors. How many people do you think they probably auditioned for well, Ellie? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say hundreds. Probably hundreds. And Bella Ramsey, I mean, we first saw her as little lady Mormont. She kicked ass. Yes, she did. And I mean, she was already on HBO's list of approved people because they liked her. She comes in and she's knocking it out of the park. She's playing Ellie a little different. Than the Ellie character was in the game, a little bit more of a badass. But she's also, you saw in this last episode, she's still a kid telling bad dad jokes, you know, and you still love her. And the thing is, she's not exactly, nor would anybody be exact to the game because they're not humans in the game. They're game characters. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? Uh, like Dennis is asking, do you think the game was made more for the gamers, more for the non-gamers? Uh, why do you think it? Have you observed that any times we have heard some criticism, it's been from exclusively from the gamer side? I don't know. Maybe your experience has been different. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. 
With that down, we're going to move into our main topics here. But before we do, we're going to take us just a quick second here and thank a couple of the sponsors of our show today, our friends at HelloFresh and Rocket Money. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Guys, it's the new year. Do you remember those New Year's goals you promised yourself you'd stick to? HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door, taking the hassle out of dinner time. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how fast, easy, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. My wife Anne and I have been constantly impressed by HelloFresh. Not only how absolutely delicious the food is, but how easy it is to prepare and how much fun we have doing it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 and use the code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 and use the promo code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. rocketmoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh and Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video, you'll find links and promo codes to all of our sponsors. And again, thank you to HelloFresh and Rocket Money. All right, guys. With that all down, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with them. Because whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we absolutely need to cover here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you'll see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Rob, what is our first main topic today? John, our first main topic comes to us from Eric the Red. <clears throat> I think we all knew there were going to be big shakeups at Disney when Bob Iger came back, and man, did he go big. Looks like he's laying off 7,000 people and doing a complete business restructuring, and thankfully says he's returning control of the company back to creative people. 
There was a lot that came out today, so I wanted to know if you guys thought it was as significant as it looks or if it's really not that big a deal. Thanks. All right, Eric. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, a lot of the stuff that came out of Bob Iger's call was incredibly significant. And I don't even think people are focusing on the most important parts. The the two parts that a lot of people are really talking about are the 7,000 job cuts and the new movies that just got announced. And these are big and these are important. But to me... The most significant thing that is actually going to have the biggest impact on the company, how it operates, and its ability to succeed moving forward is the way that Bob Iger just completely redid the leadership structure and the whole business structure of Disney. Let's talk about those. Well, we'll talk about the new movies being announced in a minute. Let's talk about the 7,000 job cuts. There are two important things to keep in mind because when you hear 7,000 job cuts, I mean, that, that sounds enormous. And, you know, Rob, before the show starts today, you're pointing out right now we're in a place in our economy right now where Google is laying tons of people off. Facebook is laying the tens of thousands of people off. Like all the major tech companies are, there's, there's a lot of shrinking down going on. Now, in the terms of Disney, if you look over not just the last year, but the last two years, even with these 7,000 jobs they've just taken away, they're actually in the plus. They've added more jobs in the last two years than they have now removed. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The second thing is, while 7,000 sounds like an enormous number, and to the 7,000 people it is, it represents 3.5% of their overall workforce, right? And Bob Iger said in the call that it will ultimately, that with some of the restructuring and everything, will lead to 55 with the capital letter B, $5.5 billion in savings for them. That's that's important. If you're going to have, especially when you're, you're putting all of your company weight behind a streaming service that is a money loser right now, as most of them are, and all that kind of stuff, coming up with $5.5 billion in savings, making your company, the idea is, leaner, more efficient, all that kind of stuff. That's just stuff that has to happen. So while it absolutely sucks, whenever you hear about anybody losing a job, it absolutely sucks. But it's not inconsistent with what's been going on across all businesses and and all industries in in our culture right now. It sucks, but it's something that they had to do. The more significant thing to me, though, was the restructuring. And at the core of the restructuring of Disney is the re-implementation of Bob Iger's core belief. A place like Disney needs to be run by creatives. He said the following. He said, we must return creatively to the center. We must, let me start again. We must return. Do we have a side for this? Yeah, there is. We must return creativity to the center of the company. Increase accountability, improve results, and ensure the quality of our content and experiences. Mr. Bob Iger said on an earnings call related to uh, a call with analysts. He said, we have to have creativity as the centerpiece of what we do. That, in a nutshell, represents the biggest philosophical differences between Bob Iger and Bob Chapek. Bob Chapek almost instantly moved to remove all semblances of creativity out of any positions of authority or decision-making ability in the company and replaced it with his banker buddies. 
Bob Iger's coming back in and says, that's the first thing we got to correct. Creativity and creatives have to be at the center core. And as a result, they have now broken Disney into three divisions. This whole new restructuring that Bob Iger has done is about re-centering the company around three central divisions. Let's go over to the classroom here for this. The first division is Disney Entertainment. Disney, Disney Entertainment. <laughs> That's the first division, which, by the way, Alan Horn is going to be run by two people, both of which are kind of seen as front runners to take over for Bob Iger once he does step down in a couple of years again. Again, uh, one of them was Alan Horn's right hand guy. I think it was Bergman. Is that is that the, the one guy's name? Anyway, so you've got the entertainment division. Now, what is key here? is that the people who make the content will be the ones who decide where it goes. That was one of the dumbest things, Bob, Ch in, in a long list of dumb things that Bob Chapek uh, did, was taking away the ability of the people who make the content and responsible for the content for having any say of where that content goes. And Bob Iger is putting that back in place. The people who are in charge of creatively coming up with it, bringing it to life, they're the ones best suited, says Bob Iger, to decide ultimately what happens to it and where it goes. Bob Iger isn't going to tell his Pixar people, eh, we're just going to dump your stuff on Disney+. Plus," Unless the Pixar people say, we want to make this for Disney+. Plus." That's different, right? So the one branch you have is Disney Entertainment. The next is Parks and Experiences. Now, that's obviously with their huge moneymaker, Disney Parks. Apparently, in this call, they said that in this quarter, the parks, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, it's in the $20 billion. It's some stupid amount of money or revenue that the parks generated. So they are creating a Parks and Experiences division. And that is huge. I still hate Disneyland. F Disneyland. I'm still never going back. But... If Bob Iger can come in there and put in a new leadership to make it a better experience for people, awesome. I think that's great. I want people to get a good time. About, uh, sorry, are you talking about 2022? Yes. The parts, it's $28.71 billion. In revenue. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Is, that, is that profit or is that No, gross? that's revenue. That's revenue. Revenue. Okay, gross. So, I mean, it's, look, the parks and the experiences is a huge part. It's, uh, it's a bigger part of their revenue stream than yeah, even their that's, entertainment that's division. That's just an insane amount of money. Huge amount of money. Okay, so now, so we've reorganized that. And what's really interesting, I didn't see this coming. The third prong of this Bob Iger trident is ESPN. ESPN has been spun out from under the general entertainment division, and it's going to be its own thing. Another big surprise, because a lot of people thought, just like they thought Bob Iger was going to come out and announce, we're acquiring the rest of Hulu, and they didn't do that. A lot of people have been speculating lately that Bob Iger is fixing to sell ESPN. And by the way, making it its own standalone division of the company could be a long-term play in increasing its value to then sell it off later, maybe. But for now, ESPN is firmly firmly in the Disney kingdom and one of the three main divisions. This is your new leadership structure and at its heart will be creative people. And this to me is the important part. This is the part that is going to position Disney, hopefully to get back to its core, to start focusing on quality over quantity, to put 
creative people back in charge again, no longer making suits the ones who get to decide which projects get made and which ones don't. This is getting back to Iger's Disney. And if he can do it, I think they're in good for, for a very, very bright future, hopefully. Rob, there's a lot of stuff that came out there. And we haven't even talked about the individual movies that have been mentioned. We'll get to those in a minute. Yeah. But what did you think about the different things that Iger brought up? Well, I think it's to me, it's a representation of what their core business is. Mm. And I think that Iger's done a great job. The only The only thing I wish that he would do is... I love 20th Century Studios. I love the logo. I love the fact that 20... Dude, they're re-releasing Titanic this weekend. Yes, they are. Big Bad Jimmy C's going to have Titanic and Way of Water in the theaters in the same weekend. Like, that's that's 20th Century Studios, man. I would love to see 20th Century Studios. I mean, it's not like they're not making things like Prey and they have the new Alien film that Fetty Alvarez is doing. But I would like to see 20th Century Studios get more a more prominent... Come on, Bobby. Give me a little bit more 20th Century Studios. But I think what he's done here is great. And we've always talked about it in the show. When, when Chapek took away the, the creatives, we talked about it as far as Kevin Feige was concerned so many times. And I think, look, you want the people that are running, I, I hate to say it, but the people that run Disneyland, whether it's the Imagineers or the people that are, we want, we want them to have more input into this experience because the money guys are obviously necessary because they're keeping the spending where it's at. And with inflation running rampant, we have to, always be mindful of that but disney is a company that succeeds because they make great stuff and the stuff they make has to be made by creative people that love what they do and are free to go make what they need to make and if you're gonna they have to be unfettered within reason as long as they are on time and on budget and if they're gonna go over budget we have to have a good reason watch the money no problem there but Iger knows what disney's all about you know Iger also said something very interesting about Disney Plus, he said, we put too much emphasis on acquiring subscribers because one of the things Iger said, he goes, we are involved in a world war of subscriber acquisition. And he's not wrong. I mean, that, that that's- the, There's the, a limited resource of subscribers. We've said for a long time, the streaming wars have begun, right? But he said, I think we've put too much emphasis <laughs> on a desperate play, willing to do too much just to get new subscribers at the cost of forgetting that we need to make money. And I think that was very insightful that he said that. And now they're also saying that they are, they believe that by the end of 2024, that Disney plus could be profitable. So that's what they're hoping and aiming for. But anyway, a lot of interesting stuff in there, guys, question is for you. What stood out to you about the good ship Disney and all the things they talked about, about the restructuring, things they've got going on, actions that they're taking? Do you like the moves you've seen? Do you not like the moves you've seen? Do you think they're significant? Maybe it's nothing. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Rob. What is our second main topic today? John, our second main topic comes to us from Bruno. Hey, John, it seems the age of Disney animated sequels is coming back. Back at D23, we learned that Inside Out 2 is coming out in June of 2024. And now Bob Iger confirmed in the investor call that three other sequels are on the way. Toy Story 5, Frozen 3, and Zootopia 2. I love Zootopia. While none of this excite me as much as the Inside Out announcement, I have to admit, I'm very curious about it. Are you excited for Disney to return to sequels? And do you think other sequels are on their way? Thanks and have a good day. 
All right, thanks a lot for that, Bruno. And this is going to be a first on the John Cam Show where one email is going to be three separate main topics. Uh, so let's let's delve into main topic number two here, and we're going to focus on the one of the announcements, which was Zootopia. Thank God. It has been, I could not, I had to do a double check when I read that stat. It has been seven years since, it still feels like it was two or three years ago to me. I don't know why. But Officer Hops, and isn't that Jason Bateman does the voice of the, of the fox yeah, in that? Yep, I Nick. think it is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven years. And J.K., no, was it J.K. Simmons or Idris Elba that was the voice of the, the lion? Idris Elba. Yeah. It was, it was Idris yeah. Elba? Okay, I think J.K. Simmons maybe was the He bear. was the chief, I think. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, they were both in there, right? <laughs> you know what? I did not love Zootopia the way a lot of people loved it. I like Zootopia. I thought it was a charming little movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, but, man... I was really surprised when it came out how much, how passionately a lot of people really loved it. That. Was now, dope. They recently put out that thing of shorts on Disney Plus. What was that called? It again? was called Zootopia Plus. It was really cute. I didn't like it very Ooh. much. Wow. I mean, one or two yeah, of them. It was it was talk. several sketches, right? It was several sketches. A couple of them I actually thought were pretty cute. A couple of them I thought were eh, kind of boring. But make no mistake, this was a beloved thing. And most importantly, in the business of entertainment. This movie made over a billion dollars. 1.025 billion, billion, billion dollars <laughs> this movie made, which makes one scratch your head, honestly. Like, even though I'm not the, the biggest fan in the world of Zootopia, even I'm like, well, wait a minute. This movie was beloved. It made over a billion dollars. How are we seven years removed? And by the way, it's not like it was a clear one and done story. This is a franchise of beloved little characters that you could tell an, an unspeakable number of stories about them if you wanted to. I'm actually quite shocked that we haven't had one already. So for me, seeing that they've announced it, I'm like, well, it's actually about time. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about the decision for them to make a Zootopia 2, the seven-year wait, and do you think it's still an IP that today can draw an audience? A absolutely, because, you know, I thought Zootopia had a lot of, it, it, it had more adult themes in it than I expected it to have. Um, I really like Zootopia, but I, again, like you, I didn't realize it'd been seven years. But a billion-dollar movie? I mean, that doesn't get a sequel at Disney, an animated film that grosses a billion dollars. I mean, that's something you'd think would be the first thing you do in the morning is Greenlight is Zootopia 2 <laughs> sequel. Yes, sir. Let's make that. Um, again, I don't know what the animation company or the principals who made Zootopia have been doing in the interim seven years. They could have been making things. But I think this is a great move. I think Bob Iger comes in, looks at a spreadsheet and goes, he probably said the same thing we did. Wait a minute. No one ever did a sequel to this? I've only been gone a couple of years. Why isn't there one? And it makes sense to me. Um, this is a beloved film. Obviously, they did more with it. And um, I really like this movie. So this is something I think is a no-brainer. Now, the, that said, they've got to get a great creative team back. Well, of course. With great yeah. ideas. You know, and I think that they will. Um, Disney, well, we'll go on. But these movies that they're making sequels to, they're not like shots in the dark. <laughs> they're about as sure things as you can get. Yeah, not not exactly a roll of the dice. No, to do this one. Actually, I'm curious, Taylor, because you mm -hmm. seem to have a real soft spot. Where, like for you, where does like Zootopia live, and and how are mm -hmm. you feeling about them doing a sequel? I think it's really cute. Uh, I remember when I first saw it, I didn't really care for it, but maybe like six months ago when the Zootopia Plus shorts came out, I was like, oh, I think I should rewatch it. On the second rewatch, 
it was much better than I remembered it. And I really liked it. What's interesting is I was looking at the Rotten Tomato score. Now it has a 98% tomato meter and Crazy. a 92% audience score with over 100,000 ratings. And then what's really interesting too is Shanghai Disneyland, they're opening their own Zootopia land this year in 2023. So that's pretty exciting that they're moving forward with it. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to this one. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Took them seven years, but here comes Zootopia 2. Do you think it's a little late? Do you think this is as popular as ever right now? How are you looking forward to it? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number three, shall we? And for main topic number three, the email from topic number two still holds, but only now we're moving on to another announced movie they said they had coming which is Frozen 3 is coming. And this is another one that, like Zootopia, I'm like, what took them so long? Look, when the first, I remember it was marketing brilliance. If you guys remember, the first bit of advertising they did for that first Frozen movie, they let they put out an entire scene of the movie of the Let It Go musical piece. I don't, I don't remember exactly if that was the first thing they put out, but they put out the entire song number, the entire portion of the movie that had that song in it. It turned out to be one of the most brilliant marketing moves in history because that song, I mean, the memes are still going on today. Like when somebody says something for the, you know, they let it go. But that song, which is a great song. I remember when it first came out and it was on YouTube, I played that damn thing. I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I played that damn thing like 20 times. It was a great song. And then the second movie came out and they were like, how on earth is Adele Dazeem going to come up with <laughs> another song remarkably, remotely as close to that? And I'll tell you what, their song, Into the Unknown, that song's almost as good as Let It Go. That, it, it's a great song. I love that song. It's terrific. And uh, while I didn't think the second, well, I don't know, maybe the second one was better than the first one. But here's the kicker. And you can go over to, to my screen here for a second if you want. Look what Frozen 2 made. Yeah, chump change. $1.45 billion. <laughs> At the box office. Like, that's great. Look up for me, Taylor. How much did the first one make? I'm pretty sure the oh, right first there, one. Oh, right there, $1.282 So you are talking about a franchise here that two films in have made one or $2.7 billion. $2.7 billion for a two-film animated franchise. Are you kidding me? Uh, and again, with these characters, look, to this day, Whenever Anne or I would go to a theme park, even if it was that evil one who I shall not name, today still, will you see families? And if families have little girls, you got a one in two chance that they're dressed as Elsa and Barbie. I don't know. What are the characters' names? Anna and Elsa. Who? <laughs> Anna and Elsa. Anna and Elsa. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that their daughters are going to be dressed as Anna and Elsa. I you go go to Disneyland, you're going to see a million of them. Right. And I remember back when Ann used to work for Hasbro, Ann was in charge at Hasbro of the uh, Disney Princess line. So whenever we'd walk through Disneyland and she'd see little girls dressed as Anna and Elsa, Ann would just go, cha-ching, cha-ching. And everybody would be walking through the park, just a lot of cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-chings. But 
I mean, it's, this is an incredibly popular series with young girls and by extension families. And guess what? They also just happen to be pretty good movies. So, I mean, Frozen 3, no brainer. Abs and again, like Zootopia, a billion, with a B, folks, a billion dollar franchise. No brainer. Why this didn't happen under Chapex era, I don't know. I, why it even <laughs> took Bob Iger so long when he was still in charge to get these going, I don't know. But Bob Iger coming out swinging, it's like, oh, yeah, we got these franchises that all make a billion dollars. Uh, green light, go. Anyway, Rob, what do you think about them coming out with the Frozen 3? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think in my lifetime I, I remember something that had that much impact on the lives of little girls mm. than the Frozen movies. Like you said, like Anne said, cha-ching. Cha -ch I see that. I see them dressed as Anna and Elsa in daily life. You know, you go shopping at Walmart or you go to Target or something, especially around the holidays or even if it's some girl's birthday, she's dressed as one of those characters. I mean... This is th these are zeitgeist movies for, for for I think girls of all ages. So that's why they make so much money. Is it's it's an event, you know? It's an event. Disney, Disney. Look, they don't. Their Disney princess movies are movies about female protagonists. No one does it better than they do. And and uh, I mean, this doesn't surprise me. You said one point four billion. One point four five billion. Nearly one point five. I I mean, no brainer. Let's make this movie now. But again. The one thing that I, I would, I can't imagine what it's like to have to follow in the footsteps of that. The pressure, the creative yeah. pressure. You got to deliver another song. You got to deliver. Several a, of them. Yeah, you got to deliver a story. A story that's going to live up to the first two. Um, but, dude, what a no-brainer. It's not like Bob, Bob Iger is going, huh, let's look at our slate. What can we... Don't we have anything we can make? Yeah, do we got nothing? Nothing's on the know, cupboard. Man. Nothing's on the shelves. We got nothing to go to. And listen, this this movie is going to make two hundred fifty million opening weekend. Oh sure, two hundred to two hundred fifty million. Low end two hundred, high two. I'm I'm just telling you, it will. I mean, it's interesting. All the you, families are going to go. They're all going to go. You look at this image. You could just see that this is good. I mean, that just the image of these five <laughs> characters. It's like I'll go see that. <laughs> Even if I didn't see it before, there's something about. The design of these characters. There's something about the look of these characters. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to make so much money for them. It's absolutely crazy. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you guys uh, think about this? They are finally moving forward with a Frozen 3. Uh, look, it's, it's not going to be for everybody, clearly, but you... Whether it's for you or not, you got to acknowledge this thing is going to make money hand over fist. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, that down, let's get into main topic four, which is, again, is an extension of that same announcement. Amongst Zootopia, a billion-dollar franchise being greenlit, and Frozen 3, a billion-dollar franchise being greenlit, Bob Iger thought to himself, hey, this greenlighting billion-dollar franchise is pretty fun. Let's do another one. And they greenlit yet another sequel to another billion-dollar franchise in Toy Story 5. Now, Toy Story, to me, is the greatest series of animated films of all time. Um, they, every single one of them, for me, delivered unspeakable magic and incredible emotional moments, great laughs, great entertainment. Um, even the fourth one, I thought was beautifully done 
Uh, the greatest of the Toy Story movies? No, but it. I thought it, the fourth film was fantastic. I had an absolutely delightful time with it. I loved it. It did not besmirch the Toy Story it, legacy. It did not. And again, it made over a billion dollars. Made $1.073 billion at the box office. Now, I can already hear the cacophony across the internet of, it doesn't need another one. All right. All right. I want to take us back in time, though, a little bit of a history lesson. With the exception of Toy Story 2, which a lot of people were very excited. I still remember back then. I remember Toy Story 2 was originally going to be straight to video. And then they were like, you know, this is pretty good. Maybe it should be a theatrical movie. And it became like one of the original only films on, on Rotten Tomatoes to have a wide release of over 2,000 screens and hold over a hundred and hold a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's how good that movie is. Okay, so there's that. But when they announced Toy Story 3, people will try to do some revisionist history. But I was there. Rob, you were there. I was there. A lot of you were there. The cries of they're gonna ruin it. You don't need another one. Toy Story 2 had a perfect ending. We don't need another one. Oh, they're just going to run it into the ground. There's no need for it. Blah, blah, blah. I got it. I got it. I got it. They made the best one. Number three is the best one. I, I mean, that's up to every individual's interpretation. How about course. that ending? But to me, it's the best one. And oh my God, that ending. And not a dry freaking eye in the house. And to me, the greatest scene of all the Toy Story movies in that one, when they are sliding helplessly into, into the furnace and they just accept their fate, they reach out and they hold each other's hands, at least taking solace in the knowledge that they are facing their end together. Oh my God, I'm getting emotional right now just thinking about it. One of the best scenes of any animated film in history. I love that scene. And then, of course, the ending with Andy passing the toys on and all that kind of stuff. Perfect ending. So while you had a lot of people going, oh, Toy Story 2, you don't need a third one. The Toy Story 2 ended it perfectly. You're just going to ruin it. You're just going to ruin it. What did they do? They delivered the best one yet. Then they announced four. And again, the cacophony rang out. Toy Story 3 was the perfect ending. That's all. Now you're going to run into the ground. You don't need it. You know what they did? Was it, was it as good as Toy Story 3? No but it was a damn good movie and it made a hell of a lot of money and it delivered those emotions. And I love Forky. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. I love that stupid little character. I ended up falling in love with that character, Forky. I love that movie. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Not the same height as Toy Story 3, but it was beautiful. And it brought, while Toy Story 3 seemed to bring an end to the Andy story, Toy Story 4 seemed to bring an end to the toys story. You know, with Woody now going off on his own and, and all that kind of stuff. So, of course, when they announced a five, I saw headlines going, why are they messing with the perfect ending of four? Four was the perfect ending to the toys. Yes, that's funny. I've heard this song before. They did it, said it after two. They said it after three. And now they're saying it after four. Listen, until Toy Story craps the bed, they 100% get my benefit of the doubt because every time other than number two, they have faced an army of doubters and every time they have silenced them. And maybe five will be the one where their luck runs out. Maybe five will be the one that craps the bed. Maybe, okay. But this series with these characters that now generations of people 
love and have been beloved and continues to pull in the billions of dollars of revenue and continue to deliver emotionally re resonant stories and themes and entertainment and joy, why the hell wouldn't you do another one? What on earth is the most remote logical reason to not step back up to the plate and take another swing. And listen, if they crap the bed, they crap the bed and they put the franchise to rest. It will, even if this is the worst movie ever made, it doesn't at all affect the legacy and the memories of one, two, three, and four. So to me, like Zootopia two, like frozen three, I think toy story five is a no brainer. Would I be okay if they didn't make another one? Absolutely. I was at peace with that after number four. I thought that was the end of the line. But them announcing that they're going to do it, there's no rational explanation to say why they shouldn't. Anyway, Rob, at least that is the way it is to me. What's your interpretation of this? John, you know, it's interesting because if you look at the Mission Impossible franchise and you go back and you see when it actually started... It's when kind of, it actually started getting good. It's well, no, but it's kind of a contemporary of the Toy Story franchise. It's it kind true, of started yeah. same in the '90s together, and I never would have thought that there would be a Mission Impossible movies, not at much less Mission Impossible movies that I'm looking forward to. Dead Reckoning is seven, seven and eight. If you asked me about Toy Story five, I would have said the same thing about this franchise. There's no way they're not going to make five of these things, and they're I all going to be would either. You know, like number two is going to go direct to video, and that's it, done. I'm actually excited to see what they come up with for Toy Story 5 because remember, the Toy Story franchise is the foundational Pixar franchise. Yes, it is. Yeah. And and I think that when Pixar, first of all, Pixar now has, they got their power back and they know they're making movies for theatrical release now because they'll make sure of that. And I think that everybody at Pixar was probably listening to this announcement, jumping for joy. And as soon as they... I mean, maybe Bob had already told them, so they weren't jumping for joy in the, after hearing the news they already knew. But still, the people at Pixar, I can only imagine they're re-energized, saying, Let's, we're going to show you what we do. We make billion-dollar movies. We don't mm -hmm. make movies like Seeing Red that you just shove onto Disney+. Plus. They have you some, just made me sad about Turning Red again. Oh, oh did I say Seeing Red? Seeing Red's a book. Turning Red. Um, the, the, they have something to prove. They're going to come out guns blazing, and I can only imagine... With this creative fire lit under their butts, they're going to give us a Toy Story 5 for the ages. I mean, I don't know how they're going to top Toy Story 3, but they might. I could see it happening. And by the way, I can already hear the things about, well, why aren't they making anything original? Remember, Zootopia was original. Right. Frozen was original. Toy Story, now we've got to go back a long ways, but that's, I mean, this, it, the rewards for coming up with something great that's original is that you get to carry it on and continue it on and make more of them. And What's the point of making something original if not to have it be fantastic and wonderful and give you the option of making more later? And the creators that originated these franchises are also the people that come back and continue the legacy. It's mm. not like they're hiring some randos. Hey, you want to direct Toy Story 5? Won't, won't hey, be John Lasseter. You, you made a pretty cool uh, <laughs> indie film. Well, I bet he'll consult, maybe. I, I mean, doubt that. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's the, Pixar, they're going to do a great job. All three of these movies are, are legacy sequels that, that are going to be great because the people that originated them are involved. Or at least I would imagine they would be. All right, guys, question is for you.
What do you think about this? They're taking a swing at a Toy Story 5. Look, I, I thought the franchise was over too, and it's perfectly fine that the franchise was over. But I also think it's a no-brainer to bring it back up, considering the success it has, how beloved they, it, they've made, and how much excellence they put into all of them. Maybe you feel differently, and that's fine too. It's all subjective. It's all just art. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to open up the Super Chats now and let you guys have your say. It's time for you to shoot in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. Send them on in now, and Rob and I will address them. But before we get to those, we're going to take just a second here, thank a couple more sponsors of today's show, the great folks at DraftKings and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, DraftKings. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Going into Super Bowl 57, I think you got to look at the Philadelphia Eagles as taking home the big prize. Keep your eye on Jalen Hurts. He's going to be the difference maker in the game. So guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code Campia. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Campia. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at DraftKings and of course mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys with that down let's get over to your live questions you guys have been firing in there rob what do we got up first let's see john what we have up first well, is just all a second because <laughs> Well, we have no stream, uh, stream activity. Elements, I got to connect. So you guys chat amongst yourself for one second. I'll get stream elements back up. Well, John, I need to bring Juggernaut to go with my X-Men here on the dev. By the way, have you have you guys noticed that the the population of Hot Toy Town <laughs> has has gone up significantly? Uh, yeah, it's very. I, I think that they got point, like, he's got like a whole X-Men corner in there. Rob is just taunting me now. Look, and I've got more to bring. That's I know, but I need, I need my, Deadpool, I need to bring Wolverine, I need to bring, uh, you know, the other Quicksilver. I don't want a hot toy anymore. I don't want a 
Robert Meyer Burnett, the hoarder of hot toys. The The hot toy hoarder. (laughs) All right, I got stream elements back up. All right, there we go. Now let's get into it, shall we? What is our first question? Scroll down here. There we go. Who's up? Right here. Al Renshaw. Al Renshaw. I have. I have full confidence that Igar, uh, Igar, that Igar, 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 the hill people, <laughs> Igar, Igar, Pixar, Igar. know how important and beloved the Toy Story <laughs> Frozen franchises are. They will be great, and I will be first in line. And uh, anybody want to take a bet that uh, anybody want to put money that it, they go straight to Disney Plus? No, nobody. Nobody wants to. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. No. Yeah, they're going to go theatrical and they're going to make them tons of money. And then after they make them tons of money theatrically, then they're going to put them on Disney Plus and then everybody's going to get excited about Disney Plus again. They're going to get the best of both worlds. What a business strategy that Isn't is. Isn't it crazy? It's a feedback loop. Wow. <laughs> money. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher says, did you see the trailer for Owen Wilson's I'm Not There Bob Ross biopic paint? I loved it. But was Ross really a sex symbol like Wilson seems to be? Did you watch his trailer? I, I didn't even know the trailer. I saw the first images that came oh, out. Oh, yeah. No, the trailer I, was dropped. It, it looked like Owen Wilson was just cosplaying. But, I mean, but <laughs> the trailer itself is out? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it dropped yesterday. And, I mean, I never thought of Bob Ross as a guy that had strife in his life. But apparently he oh, does. Yeah, for sure. He, 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 he has a yeah, bit of a past. Yeah. Just make clouds out of it. Take take the mistakes and just make clouds. Oh, yeah, baby. It's great. It, it, the trailer has like a shot of this wilderness that looks just like a Bob Ross painting. It's not, but I'm like, what a... You won't I'm, believe this, but he, he was a drill sergeant early in his years. No, yes. really? Yeah, and he was sick of yelling and screaming, and he wanted peace, and so he turned to painting. All right, what's next? There you go. It looks good, though. Corey R. says, hey, crew, Damien Chazelle is my favorite director. My favorite movie of his is La La Land. What are your thoughts on it and him as a director? Well, listen, he he is a terrific whiplash. Uh, uh, Obviously, La La Land. First Man. First Man with Ryan Gosling. Um, I mean, he is a clearly a very gifted visionary storyteller who... With, which it's obvious with Babylon that when you're a creative visionary storyteller, you're going to push boundaries and you're going to try new things. And sometimes that won't work and sometimes it will. But I think he's a terrific filmmaker. I'm going to be keeping my eyes on him for and be excited about whatever new projects he has coming out for a long time. Uh, me too. I, I'm a fan of his. And I love La La Land. I love the opening scene on the on the freeway. I love oh, that scene. I still think Whiplash is my favorite film. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Not my tempo. By the way, the, uh, the last place that uh ann and i and jonathan and his wife laura that we had dinner together uh was at smokehouse and that is where they shot a couple of the big scenes in la la land was in there owned by george clooney by the way yes that's the name of his production company smokehouse productions because he because the restaurant yeah yep all right what's next uh raymond verata says oh rest in peace burt Backrack. yeah Thank you for the timeless classics played on films such as Austin Powers, My Best Friend's Wedding, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Well, Raymond, I made this joke earlier, but raindrops are no longer falling on his head. Or they are forever now. I or mean, they are forever. Yeah, you can look, I, I like that. Okay. I still remember in the Austin Powers, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach, the way he would say that. <laughs> I mean, it it was, um, I mean, yeah, the music he made was great. But he was, he was 94? Yeah. 94, 95? Yeah. He had a tremendous life, tremendous career. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So glad you brought that up. All right. What's next? Uh, Suthius says there's a reason why there are Toy Story uh, lands upcoming 
uh, Arendale land and Moana themed land and Zootopia land to keep the characters fresh in people's minds while they take their time with the sequels. No, no, there's a misconception out there that they build these theme parks to help promote their movie. If anything, it's the other way around. Um, the theme parks are bigger cash cows than any film franchise. And if anything, they make movies to keep the the, 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 the theme park stuff uh, relevant. Um, now, that doesn't mean they can't go hand in hand and yeah. there's a synergy there. Of, of course there is. But yeah, don't don't think for a second that they put, you know, $3 billion into making a land at a park so their movie can make six hundred million dollars. Like it's 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 really more the other way around. I know, Rob, what would you say? Well, about I think that? you're absolutely right, but they feed off each other. You know, I I think that the lands are are to be mindful of the product. You 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 have to have something that the lands came from. Like they're not making lands from scratch and then doing something. Those lands are all based on something that was already a success. So. What it does is it's building the brand and it keeps it keeps those characters alive well forever. You know, I mean, look at Cars Land. When was the last time you made a Cars movie? Like three or four years ago? Yeah. But Cars was a franchise that and the, these lands are make sure that kids the world over will never stop watching cars and buying the because <laughs> marketing wise, the toys, those cars that are from cars are huge toys, even now amongst kids. See, I just went to Super Nintendo World at yeah, Universal, yeah. which is remarkable. I'm telling you right now, nobody is buying Mario Kart 8 because they went to Super Mario World. Right. They're going to Super Mario World because they played Cars 8. Yes. So it's, it, that's kind of the direction of the flow that that goes. All right, what's next? Amin says, last weekend I crossed something off my bucket list. I went to the Fellowship of the Ring in concert, and it was just nice. Wow, nice. What's your favorite in concert experience, and have you been to a Lord of the Rings one? I, you know, we, somebody asked us the other day. I have not been to a Lord of the Rings one. I would love to go to a Lord of the Rings one, but my favorite one was Star Wars. Going to um, now, it wasn't uh, John Williams conducting the orchestra, but it was uh, Alfred Newman. Or Alfred Newman's son. Uh, what's what's his no, son's name? Um, oh, um, uh, Randy? No, not Randy. Uh, no, I I can't remember but his yeah, son's he, name. But anyway, is it Thomas Newman? I don't think it's Thomas either. But anyway, uh, it was under the 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 uh, Philharmonic was under the conduction of of Newman, um, but it was so magical and wonderful. And I think my second favorite one I went to was with you guys. Yeah, we when we went to the Black Panther one, which was incredible because that they brought my... out. Like the African musicians as well, yeah. the playing. Oh, it was it so was the good. Per, that percussionist was unbelievable. Oh, that dude was a rock star. Oh uh, yeah, man, uh, it was. Incredible. Was he the one that was at Comic Con when they made the announcement? I don't remember, mm. but he's the guy who plays a that that right. one that, yeah. that 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 iconic that sound of Black Panther. That dude, it was just like one drum, and right. But he was like he was. It was like you needed more cowbell because he was exploring the space. Like he, yeah, yeah. like whereas there, he all was, the other musicians were sitting down playing their music, their, their instruments. Right, he would be getting up and rocking around the stage playing this thing. Is it like, was awesome. This dude, it was awesome. It was and so all that fun. percussion was so great in the in the in the bowl. Oh, it was so wonderful. Was the great. sound was great. Yeah, I loved it. All right, what's next? Uh, Alex Mata says, "Say what you want about Disney and sequels, Iger believes in them." These are the billion-dollar franchises that help the company, rather than what Chapek did with Strange World. Uh, and you look, look, you can't. You guys know I was 
Very happy the day they announced Bob Chapek was no longer the CEO of Disney. But it's not like every bad thing and every bad decision under Disney all went back to him. I mean, I think Strange World was probably something that was on the drawing board prior to Chapek even taking over. So you can't you can't draw every single negative line to him. But you're right. And I think what we have to keep, again, something I mentioned earlier, every franchise started with an original film. I mean, look, Turning Red was just their original film. And if we can, I hope, I mean, they might have killed any chances of us getting a Turning Red sequel because they put it out on Disney Plus originally. But, you know, they are still putting out these originals. We had Luca and we had Soul and we had Turning Red. And we had, again, I didn't love Luca, but I love Soul and I love Turning Red. Great original films that were sabotaged and had their throats cut by being just dumped on Disney Plus instead, instead of being able to be turned into billion dollar franchises, but be that as it may. But now then once you launch these originals and you have success, take advantage of that. I completely agree. Yeah. All right. What's next? Sin Vendetta. By the so way, Donnie Pearson in the last chat, David Newman. Da oh, that's that's right, Alfred David. Newman's yeah, son's yeah, yeah, yeah. name. David Newman. Thank you. All right, what's next? Sin Vendetta with a $20 super chat. Thank you, Sin Vendetta. John, as a huge Potterhead, I cannot wait for Anne to experience Hogwarts Legacy. It's the Harry Potter game we've all been waiting decades for. I'm a little five hours into it, and it's incredible. Yeah, I saw some people in the live chat say that um, people who ordered, like, the super-duper premium mm, version deluxe. of the game. What's that? The, the deluxe. deluxe version. They got to play it 72 hours before it's released. So they got their hands on it earlier. Okay, yeah. so that's why I was able to stream on Twitch and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, Anne, listen, Anne has been counting down the days since they first announced this game. Um, she has been so excited about it. I know Ray's been excited about it, yeah. too. Excited to watch people play it. And and listen, I, <laughs> as a non-Potter guy, I look at the game, I'm like, I'm kind of excited for this game. I love these open world. And also, think of the possibilities of like these franchises that we've loved before, like in in the movies they make a single player game where you build your own character in that universe there's tons like i would think maybe not a lot of people like it but a thundercats game where you're like lino <laughs> or something like that um i don't know we still need a, a transformers game I like you build your own robot and then you go out and haven't there been lots of transformers yeah games? but none, none like an experience like hogwarts like I an want, open world game yeah sort of where it's like you design your character and you create it through your actions or you decide your character takes place fate. on cybertron yeah you know whatever <laughs> all right i'm just putting it out there i i, I would play that game dollar game makers all right what's next <laughs> seconds from disaster says i'm not a big gamer and i've liked most of the live action adaptations so how much do you think game expectations impact enjoyment level on live action adaptations that's a good question i don't think much like so like i think like anything in life Super high expectations going to this restaurant. Uh, they might hurt you if your, your expectations are too high, or maybe they'll exceed your expectations. Same thing with movies, same thing with games. How does your expectation of a game affect that of a movie thing? I think we are, I think people's minds differentiate that enough. I, I don't really think there's a lot of crossover. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I don't either because, you know, there's, it's not everything lends itself. Not games don't necessarily lend themselves to adaptation. It's only recently, I'd say in the last, 10 or 20 years that games have come out that really could make for good adaptations. But our, I don't think my expectations are, are very high. All right. All right. What's next? Uh, Justice Sub 32 says, my only problem with Toy Story 5 is, well, what else can they do? But I, I, I get that. 
Me too. I get that. They said the same thing about Toy Story 3. They said the same thing about Toy Story 4. Listen, um, Supernatural was 15 seasons, right? Um, Last of Us has already had four plus hours of television, two feature films worth. What, what's left to do? You know, everybody's talking about wanting to see Last of Us 3 game, but what's left over there? Well, you you come up with stories. That's the thing about these toys. You can literally come up with any story. If you can come up with a great story and apply it to these characters, I think it'd be great. Uh, I think they might touch on what it is like as like in with toys in this time right now. They're they're hurting right now. The toy business is hurting right now. Like um, no one's buying them because kids are they have their phones. Kids have iPads. Yeah, they, and they, then they, uh, yeah. the ones that are s selling are scalped and like put on eBay so they could touch all those areas of toy collecting now. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I still build spaceship models. I'm building a four and a half foot space battleship Andromeda now. And Elizabeth's like, why do you, why do you build spaceship models? <laughs> and it's like, I have a beautiful millennium Falcon model that I can go play in a game and mm. fly it around and blow shit up. So why do I have a beautiful 172nd scale model? What is it? Why do I care? And there's something to be said for that. But right. you know what? Having a four and a half foot space battleship on your desk is still badass. It's not in the great. So, <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, Jake uh, Vidmar says, one thing confuses me about the AMC scheme. How does AMC benefit when almost all box office dollars go to the studios? Does this scheme change the percentage share between AMC and film studios? No, it, it, it doesn't. So here's the thing. Let's say... I get 10% of uh, the money that Rob makes. Okay? What? <laughs> uh, I get 10% I get of the money that Rob makes. I'll come so to you anyway. say he makes $100, well, I get $10. Rob should still want to make $1,000 because even though I'm going to take 100 instead of getting $90, he gets 900 So... The percentage of the box office does not change. Like the 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 one third basically that that AMC gets to keep. I mean, they still get to keep. Mm -hmm. So one third of say a hundred dollars is not as much as one third of a thousand dollars. So yeah, it benefits AMC to come up with these schemes to keep ripping off the the consumers and raising the prices more and more and coming up with creative ways to raise prices and call it something else. Because at the end of the day, they still keep a third of it and the third of a bigger number is more than the third of a smaller number. So that's how they still benefit from it. All right, what's next? Amin says, with these new Disney sequel announcements, what do you think the release order will be and how far are we from seeing the first film? That's a very good question. Very good question. I, I would guess, early, putting an order aside, the earliest we get one of these things is 2025. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, these, these animated films on this level take take a long time unless some of them have already been in pre production yes unless bob iger the moment he came in back into the disney offices he sat down at his at his throne picked up the the bat phone and it's said hey start putting uh frozen 3 into production right or in pre production yeah. right now but even that would only have been a couple of months right or or they might have done their own r&d without being paid in, with maybe that hey maybe someday we might. That's a lot of money. No, it's, it's true. For, for, it's uh, true maybe but if you someday. Know, but if you are you at your Pixar guys all working, guys and girls and all the kind people that work at Pixar, you never know. They're doing development all the time. 
Yeah, hey, I, wouldn't it I be still, cool if? But I still think earliest 2025. Yeah, I agree. I mean, oh, I, no, no, for sure. I would be surprised if, it, I, I mean, it would be a pleasant surprise if we got some, something in late 2024, but I think probably earliest 2025. Think, think of the James Gunn movies, right? The earliest we're going to see Superman Legacy is 2025, so that's probably going to be the earliest we see these animated movies. Yeah, and that's how long it takes to make those movies. Yeah. So. You know which one I wonder if they've been working on has been uh, Toy Story 5 because Tim Allen yesterday after the announcements actually tweeted about it saying, see you soon, Woody. You're a sad, strange little man and you have my pity and off to number five to infinity and beyond. So it's like, I wonder if that's the one they've been secretly working on since he's already talking about it. I, 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 I he didn't talk about it till the announcement was made though, right. right? Like I'm sure, I'm sure before announcing Toy Story 5 to the world, a phone call to Tom Hanks and a phone call to Tim Allen were probably made. It's like, because what they don't want to do is like, hey, we're doing Toy Story 5. And Tim Allen says, yeah, after what you guys did light year, no thanks. <laughs> and then be caught with their pants down around their ankles, right? There's no way Bob Iger was going to let that happen. So I'm sure they knew about it. I don't know how much, maybe a little bit of writing has happened, but yeah, I think uh, at least a long ways dinner off. at the smokehouse for Mr. Allen. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, Tim, but that's what Bob Iger does. Yes, it is. He he is a relationship. He guy. handles a talent. That's right. He's the handshake okay. man. All right. What's next? Ulatan says, imagine a player drafted in 1983, still competitive in the NBA, going on to break the scoring record in 2003. Puts perspective on Le what LeBron has done. Uh, again, listen, what LeBron James has done is, I, I think, again, there is a bias against LeBron James because of some of the ways he's handled things before, like the whole I'm taking my talents to South Beach thing. Okay, yeah, that was a misstep and, and whatever, and it's kind of tarnished him forever. But the reality is the numbers don't lie. When you are the number one scorer of all time and the number four all time in assists, so you're one of the greatest ball sharers and playmakers of all time in assists. You are the most prolific scorer in NBA history. And as Charles Barkley would say, the number one stat in basketball that represents hustle and dedication is rebounds. LeBron James is also number 32 all time in the history of the NBA in rebounds. One, four, and 32. No other NBA player will ever have stats that come close to this. Like you'll get guys who'll get close to him in scoring, but like look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's great. Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix son. How's that? <laughs> so, oh, but, yeah. That's crazy. Kevin, so Kevin Durant is within about, I don't know, 11,000 points of, of LeBron James. So like when it's all said and done, he'll get, he'll get like within eye shot of LeBron James, but Kevin Durant will never be in the same universe as assists as LeBron James. It's right. It's just what he has done is remarkably special. It it's on level with what Tom Brady has done winning seven Super Bowls. It's, it's crazy. The stats he's put up. It, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. All right. What's next? Isaac Cushman says, maybe I missed an update, but what happened to those two hosts you hired a while back? I've got, you know, it's somebody in the live chat. Answer, we've answered that question like 55 times. So all due respect, but we've answered that months. about 50 times. Guys in the live chat, fill them in. All right, what's next? <laughs> Al Renshaw says, Zaslav seeing the interest in Hogwarts legacy and saying, got those dumb trucks of money ready for the original cast? I'm telling you what, like, listen, I, I know a lot of people were, are like, well, you know, Daniel Radcliffe does, it seems like he's moved on from it and uh, blah, blah. Say all that. You can say all that that you want. Sylvester Stallone said he was never going to do another Rocky movie. 
Vin Diesel at one point said he was never going to do another Fast and the Furious movie. Jay-Z said he retired. Steven Soderbergh said he wasn't going to make movies anymore. It's all great. Until the dump trucks of money pull up to your house. <laughs> and you hear that beep, beep, beep. And the truck gear going. And then the bucket lifts up and this gold bullion pours down in your thing. Listen, <laughs> there's money to be made. There's big money. It's, it's not just big money. It's also... Listen, when you watch that 20th anniversary thing, you can tell how special this is to, to the world. And I, I think at some point, if this is the direction they decide to go, and this is a big if, but somebody, Zaslav is going to hire like the world's greatest mediator and go down and, and, and sit down with Daniel Radcliffe if this is the direction they want to go. And we don't know that it is. But if, if it was, he's going to get like the world's greatest mediator to go and sit down with like Emma Watson and and... Uh, Rupert Grant and all that kind of stuff. And you say, look at how much joy this brings people. Don't you want to be, forget the money. Forget the money. As the beep, beep, beep is happening. But let's say, forget the money. Ignore the beeping of the gold bullion. You will never have another opportunity in your life to deliver as much joy to the world for generations as this opportunity offers you. You were great as Weird Al, Daniel. You were, and he was. He was awesome as Weird Al. But you will never touch as many people. And ultimately, what is our legacy? The, amount of, the number of lives that we touch and how we touch lives. This is what a great mediator would say to him. You will never touch as many lives as with this opportunity. Yeah, and, and it's not going to be a Roku original. Life. And it won't be a Roku original. That's right. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't, think that Dan, I don't think any of them have any animosity toward the Potter franchise. Oh, no, you watch the 20th anniversary. They all love the <laughs> yeah, Potter they, franchise. They, I, they I, I can only imagine that they... I mean, uh, that's that's going to be a big, deep check. But I think that they'd have a good time doing it, especially if the script is good and the directors they get. Those movies are first rate. <laughs> now, again, they, I don't know if that's what they'll do. You can make a spinoff, make it about Hogwarts. I mean, lots of different things you can do. But I think, ultimately, you take the approach of not money, although there'd be a lot of money, you take the approach of legacy and making a change in the world and bringing joy to people's lives Listen, that, that's the opportunity that those three actors have is an opportunity I will never have in my lifetime. And I'm not talking about the money. An opportunity you will never... Like, we have a great community and, and hopefully, like, our community brings a lot of joy to my life. I hope we bring some joy and entertainment to our community's life, all that kind of stuff. But our circle is very small. We, most of us will never have the opportunity to touch as many lives as these three actors have. And I think at the end of the day, with the right mediator that can be impressed on them and combined with beep, 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 combined with that. I think there's a compelling argument to be made that within 10 years, they'll sign off. Yeah. So I, I mean, see. not only that, they're not just going to sign off for one. They're going to make a trilogy. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll make seven. Yeah. They'll make I mean, seven more. And JK Rowling's busy writing that next book. Cause yeah, it'd gonna, be you know, Harry Potter and the sore hip. I mean, like, we'll get to that point down the line. I mean, anyway. it's happening. All these, the, 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 there's, a, there's an army of Harry Potter money-making machines ready to kick into high gear. All right, what's next? Uh, Stubble McShave says, game day, the last game three day. episodes of Vox Machina in four hours. Uh, by the way, I got a lot of animation to watch today because we got the next uh, three episodes of Vox, which has been terrific to see. This season's been great. 
And uh, the Harley Quinn special, I believe, is on. Is it online right now? Yeah, I fell asleep. I was trying to stay up to watch it at midnight, and I knocked out. I, at I nine. didn't. I couldn't even. <laughs> att- I had. I've had so much work the last couple of days. I I didn't even try to stay up till midnight. So, Ann and I are gonna sit down. Well, I th- we might go to the Lakers game tonight, actually, because they're wow. playing uh, Giannis tonight. So we might go because since here's the thing. Ann is a huge Lakers girl. Loves, 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 loves the Lakers. Uh, by the way, did you know uh, Ashley Mova is yeah. now the on-court announcer girl yep. for the Lakers? Oh, I, didn't I did not know that. Yeah. Nope. Uh, but at, at any rate, so um, now that LeBron broke the record, a lot of people thought that tonight would be the night that he broke the record, but he went off for nearly 40 the other night and broke the record. Once he broke the record, the price of the tickets for tonight's game went Vroom, and they're like way low so Anne came into my office this morning and she goes like uh what do you think about maybe going to staples center tonight and i'm sorry crypto you go what do you think about going to the arena tonight and downtown la see the game because the prices are super cheap wasn't now. he talking about skipping tonight's game too lebron oh i hope not because i'm not going to go if he skips tonight's game to get rest or something like that i i Oh God! Well, thank. I, I mean, I'll double check. Oh, yeah, he, he's yeah, not playing tonight. I have no interest in going to watch the game. I'd love to see Giannis live, but I mean, I have no interest in going if he's not playing. Anyway, what's next? Uh, uh, Nangstalgic says one of three. Here's my Potter sequel pitch. It's a show that takes place at the American Wizarding School, Livermorny. Is it Livermorny? Is that is that yeah. m- yeah, Mormy? Livermorny with a new young trio as the main characters. Trio. Uh, there was. There was. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was. There uh, each season is a new school year, which builds upon a dark mystery. Then on the last season, their last school year, they seek help from the boy who lived himself, Harry Potter. OG trio teams up with new trio to save the wizarding world yet again in a reunion movie. Thoughts? Nope. No, you you don't three. just try to repeat the formula of three young kids. It's like, that's way too slow. And, and I think here's the problem. We talked about this the other day that I think Fantastic Beasts have shown us you can't move away from Hogwarts. I think if you're going to do a see, and it shouldn't be a show, by the way, it, it definitely shouldn't be a show. This Ooh, is David Zaslav has no wizard. advantage to doing something like this as a series. This has to be feature films that brings in billions of dollars and a series just simply won't do that. Um, but you know, this came up the other day, you can do a spinoff away from Harry, but it's gotta be rooted at Hogwarts. I, I don't think anybody is going to have mass interest in one that's based on the Russian school or one that's based off the American school. And you certainly can't do it by just repeating the Harry Potter formula saying three young friends. I mean, that's just way too similar. So I think if they do more, that isn't based on the main three characters, it at the very minimum has to be based at Hogwarts. Because in the last Fantastic Beast movie, which I thought was quite good, The Secrets of Dumbledore, yep. the most magical parts for it, the, the parts that with the audiences I saw with that were most at buzz about was when they were at Hogwarts. So yeah, I, I don't honestly think you're gonna get a big reception for something that's based in the American school. I I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I'm, I'm not super plugged into the Potter head world, but I don't think that excitement would be there. Mm-mm. All right. What's next? Uh, Elliot Cecil says the third temple is being built. The end times are here. I have no idea what we're talking about. I think he means that for real. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I, I have no idea what the reference is. All right. What's next? 
Mo Tossum says something nice. I always say it's it's always cool when somebody wants to send in support and just to say something nice. So there you go. Thank you, Moda Awesome. All right, what's next? Uh, the Rice Rat says, Toy Story 5, do you focus on Buzz or Woody or both? Also, what about how bad Lightyear did at the box office? Think that'll affect it? Nah, I, the part of the problem with, with Lightyear at the box office is the fact that they never were... There was a lot of confusion surrounding about what is this even? Is this a Toy Story thing? Is it not? You do Toy Story 5, that's all out the window and like every one of the toy story movies you focus on both of them i mean yeah there was a significant story with but uh, with a woody but it was also about buzz kind of becoming the leader of the group now so it was it's always about both of them really so yeah all right what's next uh hoop suny says inevitably people will say rick and morty went downhill after royland left but after hearing everything i believe his firing can only benefit the show's quality yeah, I mean, all the stories coming out about, like, before all the criminal stuff, there was all these red flags. Like, he wasn't even showing up to work. So he was not contributing creatively. As it turns out, he hasn't been cr contributing creatively to the show for years. Although so it's I, just a getting another voice now. I do think that somebody should now do a show about porn stars in a writer's room and the animated show that comes out of that. I've already started on it. Oh. I started writing it. It's going to be great. That's good. HBO, give me a call. All right, what's next? Uh, where do we leave off? Uh, at Hoopsuni. Moses Perez says, recent rumors are De Dev Patel is top choice for Mr. Fantastic. I would love to see this. Your thoughts? And who would you cast for Fantastic Four? I don't do X actor and X role. If Dev Patel was... Dev Patel is a world-class actor. Yep. Um, I've loved him ever since... Uh, 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 What's, who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, um, uh, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, I've loved him ever since Slumdog Millionaire. I loved him in that newsroom show. Uh, he was great in that. I mean, he's always been really, really good. I could see him as the smartest man in the world. I could, I could buy him as... But I could see a lot of different actors. So if they announced him, I'd be totally good with it. I don't believe the rumor, by the way. But if they were to announce him, I'd be totally good with it. Because yeah. he's a terrific performer. And again... I could see him as a guy that if he portrayed it on screen, I would buy him as the smartest guy in the world. I would too. Yeah. And then we might get a really, really great Bollywood star to play Sue Storm as well. That could be great. Well, you don't need Deb Patel to do that. They could do that anyway. That's true. But I mean, you know, if they're going to cast internationally, All right. neat. I'd be in. And All right, they what's can, next? And have a dance number, like an RRR. Because... <laughs> um, Jai Ho is one of the great songs. Next of all up, time. Jonathan. All right. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm just Carlos Sosa says Toy Story is Disney. Disney is Toy Story. Of course, they could make a fifth. Also, they need to sell merch. Um, merch isn't as big of a deal these days as it once was. Ray brought up the point. Toys, toys do not sell the way they used to sell. No. Unfortunately, I wouldn't say that Toy Story is Disney. I would say Toy Story is Pixar, and yeah. Pixar is Toy Story. I, I would say that maybe not so much Disney as a, I mean, one can make an argument that the Avengers is Disney and Disney is the Avengers, but really more, I would say that Toy Story is Pixar. Again, I was fine if they didn't do another one, but to do another one's a no brainer. So. The thing is the Toy Story franchise has delivered great entertainment. Mm -hmm. You've gotten four really strong films. All four of those movies are really strong. I agree. All right. What's next? Uh, Daya. Oh, okay. Daya Al Shahorer. Al-Sharor? I, I'm sorry about that, Daya. I, I'm killing you, I know. Why no Incredibles 3? 2 made $1.2 billion. 
because Bird doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they're going to do it without Bird. And the reality is it took Bird 37 years to do a sequel. <laughs> I mean, my God, that took a long time for them to get a sequel. And I loved Incredibles 2. I did too. I love that It movie. was great. Um, so I would love to see another one. I'd be totally down for it. But I mean, the process Bird has for getting these things out is really slow. Yeah. And so... I mean, I'm sure Disney would love to do it, but I don't think Pixar is going to try to do one without Bird. I don't home. think so either. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, H. Christopher Conrad says, hey, you can't be a crew. I saw on Deadline that a Faulty Towers reboot is in the works at Castle Rock Entertainment with John Cleese and his real life daughter, Camilla Cleese. How excited are you for this? Cheers. Man, I love Faulty Towers. 9,000. That's how excited I am. 9,000. I would love to see. Is that three thousand times three? I yes. love you three thousand. So no, it's it's a it's a it's it's one of them. Um, Dragon Ball. Oh, is that oh, is that oh, the number yeah, right? The, nine thousand yes, is yes, nine thousand yes, the number? Yes, of course. See, I'm plugged in with the Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. Not, not <laughs> at all. But uh, my excitement level would be like nine thousand. It is. Um, I, Faulty Towers is insane. It only had like twelve episodes, but it's classic. It yep. is all-time classic. I mean, I don't think... I mean, maybe Cleese could be... I don't think he can play the lead character anymore, but maybe he could be like one of the older resident, the people who kind of take up shop at the at the hotel. I don't know. I mean, he's whenever I see him on talk shows recently, the guy is still smart as a whip. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he hasn't lost any of his faculties, man. He's so that good. That guy's a pistol. All right, what's next? Uh, H. Christopher Conrad... Already, I already answered that, Christopher. Thank you for that. Vess, a.k.a. Mr. No Days Off, says over or under 60%, Pixar gets Dwayne Johnson and or Kevin Hart to voice a toy in Toy Story 5. Bring on the filthy. No, because didn't they get uh, Keen Peel? Yeah. Was, it, was that I not Keen Peel? I, I don't. I, you get Keen Peel back. <laughs> you, yeah. you get Keen Peel back uh, to do that because they were hilarious in Toy Story 4. So I'm going to go. <clears throat> Very, very, very low on that. Maybe like 2% because I, I think you get back Keen Peel. All right, what's next? Uh, Elliot Cecil says, what's up with the trans activists trying to boycott Hogwarts legacy? Well, this this is a movie and entertainment show. If, if you want to discuss those political issues, you can go somewhere else for that. I mean, with all due respect, you take those somewhere else. We're here to talk about the actual entertainment business of it all. And that's kind of what we're focusing on. All right, what's next? Uh, James Argenta says, I think one thing Iger needs to focus on is making Disney Plus less reliant on their live action Marvel or Star Wars shows. But here's the thing. How reliant are they? It's almost like saying the only thing that Disney has going for it is live action Marvel and live action Star Wars. That's not we've just spent a law a lot of time talking about multiple billion dollar franchises that they have that have nothing to do with Marvel and nothing to do with Star Wars. They're okay. They're okay. And by the way, being successful at something doesn't mean, doesn't automatically mean you're just reliant on it. Like it, it's almost like I hear some people say, and I know this isn't what you're, you're saying, but it's, I almost hear people like saying, well, you know, they should probably make less Marvel and Star Wars. Why? Because they're becoming reliant on it. How do you mean? Well, it's all their biggest stuff. And biggest stuff is bad. I Apple shouldn't make iPhones anymore. They should make because they're too reliant on it. Because they sell too many. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But yeah, so maybe I would see a point to that if we couldn't point to anything else in the Disney empire that they make a lot of money on. 
But as we've talked about today, they have a lot of franchises that make a lot of money for them. It just so happens that their crown jewels are Marvel and Star Wars. All right, what's next? Uh, Dildar the Glorious says, I really want to play Hogwarts, but I'm conflicted. A lot of people are calling me a bad person for wanting it because of J.K. Rowling. Uh, again, it's it's... If you want to cross the streams, you can cross the streams. But again, these are discussion things I'll let other people talk about. Uh, I am looking forward to the game. I'm very excited about the game. I think the game looks great. It's obviously had a lot of popularity. And we're going to focus on the game and just the game and the Harry Potter franchise as a franchise and as an IP and only as a franchise and an IP. Other people can talk ad nauseum a lot more intelligently than we can here. So we're just going to focus on this stuff. All right. What's next? Alan Ling says, everyone is talking about Toy Story 5. Really, I just heard Frozen 3, and that's where my attention is. Yeah, I saw Frozen 2 way too many times in theaters. Haha. <laughs> I met Anna and Elsa at Disney World. I'm 32. You probably met them 17 times, uh, maybe 117 times at Disneyland. Listen, it's that franchise, wonderful films. I really enjoyed the second one. I thought it was a lot of fun. But it's also just a money printing press. Like, it, it, people are going to go to see this in droves. Families are going to go. Again, Rob, like you always say, it's going to come down to, is it good? Yeah. But if they make it on par with the first two, this thing's going to make $1.5 billion, $1.6, maybe the biggest box office animated film in history. Well, we'll see. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw says, I want Incredibles 3. Where is that? Yeah, listen, you and me both, dude, but you gotta give you're gonna have to get on the phone and call Bird because it's it's all up, it's all up to, to him. So it is what it is. All right, what's next? Okay, one more time. Daya Al Sharara. Daya A. Daya A. I want to know how to pronounce it though. <laughs> Not Disney, but I think Shrek 5 could easily be another billion dollar animated film. Could also seeing it have like a hundred and eighty million dollar opening. Correct me if I'm wrong. None of the Shrek films ever made a billion dollars. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not saying that as a matter of fact. I'm saying that as as in to the best of my recollection, I don't think any um, uh, I don't think any Shrek film was ever a billion dollars. We've gotten a lot more if they did. Yeah, I think I, th I don't think the money would have ever stopped. They also maybe one or two that weren't as good as a couple of the other ones. But I do not believe Shrek can be a billion dollar franchise. But I can believe it can be a big moneymaker. Yeah, I do too. I think it can make a lot of money. Um, this 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 studio right now, right here, would be responsible for a lot of that promotion, I would think. What are you talking about? For Shrek. If there was oh, Shrek this movie. studio, like yes. the one we are sitting in. Yes. <laughs> yes, that I, I have. I, do you, listen, as our Shrek, Shrekology. Oh, I'm a uh, Shrek, Shrekspert. Yeah, the Shrekspert, our yep. Shrekologist. Mm -hmm. Your Shrek uh, has any Shrek film made a billion dollars? No, I was just looking right now on Box Office Mojo. Unfortunately, in my heart, they have. They've all <laughs> made over a billion. What What is the highest grossing of the Shrek films? There's a lot of numbers on this page, but according to this, the <laughs> highest is Shrek 2 with... Uh, 441 million. Thank you, Jonathan. 441, 441 million. So listen, they can make money, and I think there would be a huge nostalgia play. We just saw what happened with Puss in Boots. So I think a, a Shrek 5... 700 million 800 yeah. million I, I don't quite think a billion but again if it comes out it's like the greatest animated film of all time why not could be the top gun maverick of shrek it could be the top gun maverick of shrek films all right what's next shrek flies carlos sosa says hey guys would have been cool if they added rhino in no way home as an alternative rhino more like the comic book a cool cgi version of him like the juggernaut 
Call them the multiverse Sinister Six. There was no need for another character. Yeah. There was just, there was no need. Uh, I almost felt like having Sandman, and I, I loved uh, Thomas... Uh, uh, Church. Church. Yeah, as, as Sandman. I really do, but I even thought that was a little bit too much. I thought yeah. they could have just stuck with uh, Goblin and uh, Doc Ock and Electro. Uh, Electro. Yeah. You could have just... I, shoehorning in another one just for the sake of it i don't think that would now listen at some point a spider-man movie has got to redeem that paul giamatti rhino and that was no fault of paul giamatti no it was not paul giamatti. he's paul one of the world's giamatti. finest actors but they at some point they got to redeem that character but i no way home was not the film to do it. that would have been great to have them both together though it would have been a sideways reunion i just thought about that oh that's know, true true <laughs> no damn merlot Are yeah you that's right gum <laughs> By the way, if you guys have not seen Turning Sideways, you absolutely must. It's a fabulous movie. Thomas Hayden Church, Paul Giamatti, Sandra Oh. Virginia Madsen. It's a fabulous movie. Check it out. All right. Okay, we have next? a Shrek update. I'm really sorry. Okay. Numbers really hurt my head. Yeah, those are that just was domestic. just domestically. So, okay, Shrek worldwide. 2, $928 million. Okay, so Whoa. came very close. There we go. It's an almost Whoa. billion dollar franchise. Came very, very, very close. And that was a long time ago, too. Yeah. All, All right. right. What's next? Emma Murdoch says, I finally saw everything everywhere in theaters last weekend, and it's my favorite time in theaters. Uh, listen, I, I am with you, Emma. I saw that film, and I was completely taken aback by the experience. I, I mean, I thought the trailers looked really cool, and, you know, obviously I, I love Michelle Yeoh, and, yeah, I mean, sure. So I was expecting a good time. That movie's brilliant. It's brilliant. There is a telepathic conversation between two rocks in this movie that moved me emotionally. <laughs> it's true. How the F did they do that? I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible film. And one of the reasons why, look, I still think Fableman's is going to win the top prize at the Oscars with a very real shot of Banshees of Inisherin. But also right up there, do not be surprised if everything everywhere all at once wins Best Picture. Don't be shocked. I still think it'll be Fableman's. If not Fableman's, probably Banshees. But if not either of those two, it's going to be Everything Everywhere. Any one of those three films can end up being Best Picture of the Year, and they all deserve it, in my opinion. All right, what's next? Uh, <clears throat> Elliot Cecil says, have you watched The Chosen? Never even heard of it. It's the it's the TV series. It's a religious based uh, a faith based show, but they released episodes to movie theaters, and it made a lot of money oh. when they put them in in theaters, showing that there's a viability of putting TV shows in movie theaters. Oh no, no listen, there, there's an article in the LA Times about it yesterday. There there are there are two truths. Okay, <clears throat> truth number one: there is a demographic and an audience for faith based content because it is an underserved demographic oh yeah 100 it is truth number two faith-based stuff sucks um and and me <laughs> oh. and um and again all art is subjective but me and my friends in seminary <laughs> yeah it was i developed that that i developed that belief when i was in bible college that wow faith-based stuff sucks um again that's a that's painting it with a broad brush yeah but it is what it is and it depends which direction in the faith you're going because one of my favorite Ooh, movies i'm sorry i gotta interrupt we're gonna forget token bricks did bring up the one big exception 
which was Veggie Tales. Mm-hmm. I was down with the Veggie Tales. Okay, I, I admit in, I was down with Veggie Tales. In terms of faith based content. Is, is faith based content. Is that yeah. animated Veggie Tales? It is. Veggie Tales yeah. is animated. Justice that was actually pretty good. Rape? I mean, one of my very favorite movies of all time is faith-based, and that's, of course, The Exorcist. <laughs> that's a very loose interpretation of faith-based. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Exorcist, yeah. As my, no, it's about a priest that loses his faith in God, and in confronting a demonic presence, he finds his faith again and saves the soul of an innocent. Yeah, I'm not really going to call it faith-based, but okay. It's about Catholicism. A, there, there are a couple of minor exceptions. In The Sea of a Thousand, there are some minor exceptions. For example, uh, the animated film Prince of Egypt. Um, is actually pretty good. That's actually a pretty good film with a terrific song number called Heaven's Eyes uh, that um, um, Danny, he doesn't actually sing. He voices the character that sings it, but he doesn't actually do the singing in it. But uh, that's a pretty good one. Also, I, I saw somebody in the live chat mention Ben Hur. I, I don't. I, although they call it Ben Hur, a tale of the Christ, right. it's not really a faith-based film. It's 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 a great film of revenge and betrayal and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, very very few exceptions for me. Anyway, we're three, running out of time. All in three, the final conflict. Jesus comes back at the end and kicks ass. Jeez. <laughs> oh, all right, let's keep going here. We're already we're already past time. Let's uh, finish up here. CJ Rebirth says I was blown away by the animation of Frozen Two when I saw it in the theater, so I can't wait to see what they come up with for Frozen Three. I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the overlooked things. The animation Fantastic. of that movie is. Remember gorgeous. when we first saw the trailers and the the Frozen the 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 waves? waters that she's trying to go yeah, across the, the waters and the, oh my god, so that good. was awesome. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see that. It's breathtakingly. Yeah. You may not. You may not even be somebody who liked Frozen Two, but you got to acknowledge the animation oh. in it was gorgeous. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, Fierce Isaac sends in a super chat. Thank you, Fierce Isaac, and guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, don't forget to come back tomorrow and join us for tomorrow's episode of the John Campy Show. Also, a little bit later today, if you want to see me really suck at video games, uh, I'm going to be playing a little bit of uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, round two on that. So, and, and we'll be taking your live questions and thoughts. We're going to be chatting it up and talking with you guys. Again, that'll be a little bit later this afternoon for our play and chat. I believe we're going to go at 2.30 uh, Los Angeles time. That'll be 5.30 New York time if you're in that time zone. So I hope you guys will come by and join us for that. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Orr back there, running the show, Jonathan Voico, beside him, Taylor Gonzalez. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. Oh, no.